Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. It's Claire Nicole here. This is our education mini episode. In the previous episode, we interviewed Candace Hunter, who is running for the Austin School Board for District 1, and she is incredible. We thought that we would go and watch her teacher boot camp that she released in September 2020. So it was more connected to virtual learning, but still these ideas on how to set up yourself for success in the classroom. And how relevant, too, with teachers going back to school. So, Nicole, what did you think of the teacher boot camp? I was, not surprising, right? I was really impressed with Candace, And specifically because she was so specific and practical. Um, I love that the way that she talks about how to set yourself up for success as a teacher is not theoretical. It's not, you know, things that you then have to figure out how to do. She's so specific as to give you a tip like, and I'll give you an example, when she talked about how if you send kids out to breakout rooms, you can't just put four kids in a breakout room online and just say, okay, go work on this after you've given them independent instruction. And her point is that you wouldn't do that in the classroom, you know, if you were face to face. Mm -hmm. So you can't expect to do that virtually. You have to assign kids roles, right? So you set someone up as the note taker. You set someone up as the uh, reader. You set someone up as the, you know, on and on. Everybody has a role to play. And again, my point is just that she's so specific and practical that you can listen to that and, you know, take notes and be ready and armed for when you are stepping into that role virtually, exactly how to set yourself up for success. And to, and all of that, right, is designed to make kids feel taken care of, right? They, they're not mm-hmm. just put in that virtual room and they're all kind of staring at each other like, ooh, what do we do? But they know exactly what to do. It feels safe because it's risky enough, right, just having a group project and interacting with other people. So... Yes, she's very thoughtful in her approach and very boom, boom, boom. Like we do this, we do this, we do this. Formulaic. And I love that because like I respond so well to that. Like here's our expectations. This is what we're going to do. And this is what we did. And I mean, that's kind of like storytelling 101, you know, like leading people through. And I just appreciate uh, what she shared with folks who are going to be teaching virtually. But I also thought it was still really applicable even Like I would still watch it as a teacher, even though most teachers are now back in person, because she kept saying, like you were saying, this is what we would do in the brick and mortar buildings. So let's do that in this virtual environment. And um, yeah, it was just so smart. You know, she talked about uh, when you, she, she said it was really important to have a system for entering and exiting the classroom, even though it was like the virtual classroom, but it's the same thing when you're in person, right? Like, what do you expect from your kids when they come in? Where do their bags go? Where do they sit? You know, what are they going to do? So these kids already know their role, their place in the room. And then she talked about, um, how you have to take attendance, obviously, and, she tied that in with like a cool warm up exercise and she integrated social emotional learning with that. And like, it's great because I think 
in this environment, you can hear SEL and be like, oh, SEL, that's so woke or whatever. But it was so simple. Like what? Like it was a Google form she was sent out to the kids. It would have their name, the date, and then it had these – it was a funny graphic, uh, like whatever, nine – image chart of uh, Nicolas Cage in movies with different <laughs> emotions like happy, excited, angry, meh. So kids could pick that, send it back to her so she would get her attendance and she would know where they were emotionally. And then she could use that later on to check in with the kids who might be not feeling so great just to be like, everything good? Did you sleep all right? You know, what's going on? And I love that. Did you ever do stuff like that when you were a teacher, Nicole? Definitely. I mean, here's what is so great about Candace, right? Is that as a teacher, you're constantly checking in. But again, she makes it practical, right? Here is a really easy tool to do that virtually. I I didn't do something like that um, in the classroom myself, you know, like an actual tool. We were pretty, you know, paper driven when I was teaching. Um, you know, we didn't have individual computers in the classroom. It was it was that long ago. Um, I mean, they still, I don't think they still at that young of an age, because remember, I left the classroom teaching second grade. Um, however, um, I'm definitely constantly checking in with kids. But when it's pers- in person, right, it's a much more making eye contact with people, checking in, noticing maybe who has their head on their desk or you know, who's just looking a little blue and making your way over and kind of checking in with them. So definitely did check-ins, not in the same way that she does it. And so, um, yeah, did some of that. Definitely had a morning warm-up, exactly what she's talking about every day. The expectation in my classroom was I would do these little half sheets that were um, usually had, I think, about six or so exercises on it. And it was multi-subject. So it might have one math problem, one uh, grammar sentence to correct, one um, maybe like a science question. Um, So a multi-subject little half sheet. And that's what you worked on during the morning Mm -hmm. announcements and as you came in. So they would just be on kids' desks. And that was the expectation. And then once announcements were over and I was taking attendance while announcements were happening, then we go over that together as a group and then our day moves on. So yeah, having a warm-up exercise is is something that I definitely, it was a part of our day, an expected part of our day. Yeah, I like that. I think obviously kids need that guidance so that they know what to do with themselves but it's like grownups need this too. <laughs> I just think about this conference I went to. I might have shared this with you. Right when we were talking about doing a podcast, I was able to go to a podcast conference here in Austin called Outlier, which was amazing. But I remember uh, when the speaker was settling things down and being like, okay, everyone, we're going to get started. But before that, I want you to turn to your neighbor and share one podcast that you love or that you listened to recently. And all of a sudden, you know, strangers have something to talk about. And I, I like it when they take that initiative because otherwise you feel silly being like, uh, hi, how are you? You know, like it's so intentional that it helps break the ice and helps you feel like you're a part of something. So yeah, it's so smart and yet so simple to do. And I love that she reminded teachers, you know, this is how we get them in the classroom, get them feeling connected and, and chatting, uh, Yeah, just getting that learning turned on and that interactions with the room. Completely. 
Well, and I was thinking as we were first starting this conversation today, you know, we talked about it being so relevant to teachers and obviously it is, right? But I really could imagine anybody watching that teacher boot camp, <laughs> even if you only put in, I don't know, 15 minutes, if that's what you have. But to get a sense, I think of all the things that teachers are thinking about when they design lessons or they design their classroom environment, just to get a taste of that, I think would be really helpful for for anyone. I think that sometimes, right, the work that teachers do is really underestimated and undervalued. Big time. And man, it it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You're thinking yeah. about every single little detail and how to make your classroom run smoothly. That makes me want to share something I, I read on Facebook. I still look at Facebook a lot, uh, but someone had this... Um, I always get memes and gifts confused. The ones that don't move a me are memes. I don't know. Yes, it's yes, I think that's right. I think that's right. Something uh, we we're saw. showing our age again. Someone <laughs> the tic tac and the memes me. and the gifts. <laughs> okay, anyway, it was this quote that said, "One big misconception about teaching is the idea that it's passing out papers and kids doing work. People don't understand how much mental, physical, and emotional performance is required, nor how much time it takes to study, create." practice, prepare, reflect on, and revise that performance. We are on all day. And I was like, yeah, you are. I don't even do this, but I can't imagine just the emotion, just the, all oh, of it. The physicality. It's yeah. It's a lot. And let me tell you, like, I know, sure, there are maybe some examples of, of teachers who aren't an ideal teacher, but- I'm going to talk about the ones who are working their tail ends off. And what I can say is that I always like kind of wished I was the kind of teacher who had, you know, file cabinets full of lessons and just did the same thing every year. But I didn't do that. And I didn't know any teachers who did that. Right. We did try to, you know, where we could, if we had a lesson that was successful, that we really loved, like reuse portions of it. But the truth is that you're always changing and improving. And you always want to be on the cutting edge of research too, right? So if you're doing professional development in the summer and you're learning about this new great, you know, way to make higher level thinking connections for kids, man, you, I know I would get so lit up learning about all those new methods and all that new research and how that could drive maybe how I adjust, um, you know, my reading, teaching, and so there goes maybe the first three lessons that I had planned for that school year because now I want to integrate mm -hmm. this new thing. Like it really is a job that asks a lot of people. And the teachers that I know are those people who are constantly desiring to learn new things. They want to bring it into the classroom. They're so on fire for being innovative that it is a really, a really immersive and consuming job. Yes. That reminds me, Candace talked about when she was in the classroom, how she would try to use cultural touch points or things that were like happening, movies, whatever that kids knew about to relate it to lesson plans. Cause that's how they would make those connections <clears throat> through the stories going on in their lives. And, and she uses an example. She was like, back when I was teaching Texas history, Scarface was really popular. And she, do you remember this? And she used this example of Al Pacino, I guess, like defending his home. 
and relating it to the Battle of the Alamo and some dude like, we're going to fight to the death. And the kids were like, oh, yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. And like it clicked. So, yes. yeah, like you're, I can imagine you're always thinking, oh, how can I make these easy, fun connections for kids so that it stays with them? No doubt, because there, I, there is nothing worse than having a lesson that doesn't connect, <laughs> and it's just crickets, and in your head, you're like, oh, wow, that didn't quite turn out how I was hoping or how I wanted. So yes, you'll or I would do whatever I could to make things connect and make it interesting and engaging and something that would stick with them. And yeah. it is hard because you don't always succeed and you don't know when you start if you're going to end up where you're hoping to. I would imagine too, it's more fun for the teacher when the kids are lighting up and they're like, and this and that, like having that build upon energy, that creative process together would be so electrifying and so fun. So even though it's extra work, I'm sure it's worth it, like the reward of learning, you know, and, and seeing that happen in the moment must must be what keeps teachers in the classroom because they got a lot on their shoulders. Yeah, it creates an energy that's for sure that makes that makes things easier to want to engage with and hang in and and do, right? When yeah, there's that exchange of energy. I'm excited to present. They're excited with what they're hearing and they're giving it back and yeah. 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 Well, yeah, going back to the meme or whatever it was that I read, how they talk about, you know, the mental, physical, emotional, I hear that and I feel overwhelmed, like, oh my goodness, so much. But the thing I like about Candace is she breaks it down so that you, so you are prepared. Cause she said, when you don't have a plan, you go into survival mode and that is a recipe for a disaster. So this is why her work is so valuable because she, she's like, we, we got this, we're going to do this and then this and then this and then this. And uh, it sets people up for success because they know they have a roadmap for where they're going. They tell the kids what the roadmap is, and then together they are set up uh, to have better outcomes. So she talks about you know the warm up and attendance, and then going into direct teach, going into independent practice, then checking in, and then the exit procedure. And I was like, oh yeah, like I you could I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's empowering too. Yeah. She's so good. She, she's so good. So really good. breaking it down, yeah, to really actionable steps um, with really practical tips, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, there was also two other things that she recommended for teachers to have. I'm sure you know about this, Nicole, but having a syllabus and a rubric. And she said these are really valuable because the syllabus helps set the expectations for the classroom it has a contact information for how parents and students can get a hold of the teacher. And then the rubric is the form describing how things are graded. And she said, this is very valuable for when parents call you up and say, why did my kid get a 75? And you can say, well, because I grade on this, this, and this. Like, it's very clear. She said there is, of course, some subjectiveness that's going to happen. But it's better than saying, like, uh, because they didn't understand the assignment, <laughs> you know? Like right. you have something concrete to steer them towards. And if you already shared this with the student up front, it's like, oh, yeah, I do, that is ringing a bell. Okay, it is what it is. Did you have yeah. things like this in the classroom or how, how was that handled? Not a syllabus, right? Because um, it's just different um, in those early elementary years. So no syllabus, um, but definitely rubrics we would use. Um in a little bit of a different way, but especially when we were doing projects 
um, project-based work, you know, rubrics are key, right? So that kids understand the expectations. But, and I will say, right, it's a tool for not only the kids and their parents and families for understanding the expectations, but it also is an incredible tool for you as a teacher or for me as a teacher, right? So that I even know what it is I'm looking for, for that demonstration of, of learning. So it's one of those good classroom tools that is, you know, mutually beneficial for everybody that's involved. So yes, definitely use rubrics um, more for project, project based work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did do. Oh, is this true? I was about to say we had math centers in my room, but I don't think I ever had any sort of a rubric that was attached to performance in math centers. So never mind, <laughs> not for that. So let me let me stick with what I do feel confident about, which was project based work. Yeah. Um, She also talked about how it was important for teachers. I don't know how this would happen now that we're going back to in-person, but back when there's a lot of virtual learning, she said, record your lessons so students can refer back to it. And if they miss some of the content, they can review it. And I was like, ding, like, yes, that's so smart. Why wouldn't you do that? It's, it's your, it's the capabilities are there if you're in Zoom or some of these other uh, recording platforms. And then she would talk about direct teach and how she would teach the kids, they would go to their breakout rooms, but if they didn't, if they were still struggling, they could stay in the room with her and she could go over it and do that second touch. I was like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. And another one that she pointed out is how even when, I think this was before maybe the pandemic, but she would record her lessons. She would create a PowerPoint and then do a voiceover so that she knew that even if she wasn't there, there wasn't a day of learning that was lost because she could make sure that mm-hmm. what needed to be taught was, you know, very explicitly being taught. Anyway, and that I thought was really amazing too. Um, so many of these things though, I'm like, oh, would that have worked in my elementary classroom, my second grade classroom? And I'm a little torn. Some of it I think mm-hmm. could, but I'm I'm not sure it would kind of apply in the same way. Um, some adjustments would have to be made, but I will say that I think it's an incredible tip and Mm -hmm. I, I, it makes me get more creative and thinking about what maybe I could do or would have done if I were still in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me wanted to watch this because I, I know I shared with you, Nicole, that last year I was intending to substitute teach. I went to the orientation and the training and got set up with the district, but because of life things, never got around to actually being in the classroom. But now that I've watched this uh, teacher boot camp, I feel like, okay, when I do it this year, and I will, I I have some things in my back pocket, some tools that Candace gave me so that I'm not so lost. You know, we did have a little training on classroom management, but it was like an hour training total. We spent maybe 15 minutes on that. So this really helped me understand things to fall back on. And I just love the way Candace creates these simple systems. I remember when we had our chat with her, she talked about the checklist manifesto, that book. And I'm like, yeah, it really is all about good systems and checklists and how those can just put you on a good track, which yes. we're kind of doing ourselves, right, with this podcast. Like, we don't want to forget anything. We got to have our checklist. <laughs> right. Should we both hold up our notebooks? So <laughs> uh, yeah. I have like things so on many our post-its. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, it really does make a difference, right? Routine and structure. It's good for so many things. Teaching, life, raising kids, all of it, right? Clear expectations, how to 
I know. Meet the expectations, communicating yeah. about them, right? It's all, it's life, really. It's, mm-hmm. Well, we recommend if you have some time, go check out uh, her her teacher boot camp. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, follow Candace. You know she's still running for Austin School Board, and let us know if you have any books you recommend that help systematize your life. Because you know the simpler we can make it, the better. We got a lot going on. So you so can true. overwhelm us, but man, those lists—they make a difference. They really do help. And. Another plug, I know you said go watch if you are so inclined and also follow her on all the things, especially on Facebook. If you are curious what is happening in Austin ISD, she will keep you informed and up to date. I mean, she posts frequently. It's her comment sections too are really interesting to read. You can really find out what's what's happening and people's opinions about what's happening. And so she's a great follow. Yes. And she's so entertaining. Like, I wish I had had her as a teacher. I feel like I would have remembered so much more because she's just delightful and funny. And we're big Candace fans. We Can't are. <laughs> <laughs> we do love us some Candace Hunter. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. And uh, be sure to check out our other education episodes that will be in the feed soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.